Hello everybody and welcome to Goodversations, a collection of honest conversations with inspirational voices in the theatre industry. My name is Alexandra and I'm so thrilled to be joined today by Amanda Jane Cooper. In today's episode we talked about a whole range of things, from being one of Wicked's longest-running Glindas to getting married in a virtual ceremony during the pandemic, to finding joy even in the smallest of things, and so much more. Be sure to follow Amanda on Instagram at AmandaJaneCoop and follow Goodversations for more episodes of this show. Here's my conversation with the wickedly talented Amanda Jane Cooper. Jane Cooper, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I love that it's called Good Versations. I know. There was a lot of thought that went into this. I can tell. It's very clever. I like it a lot. I mean, I was kind of being ironic. I literally came up with it after months of not being able to come up with anything. I was in the kitchen with my family. Uh-huh. And we were talking about what I want to achieve with this. And I said, I just want to have good conversations. But it just came out in one. Like, I just want to have good conversations. And she was like, there you go. That's That's it. That's it. Um, (laughs) I love that. That's so good. We are connecting right at the start of 21. It's 8th of February today for all the listeners at home. Um, So I'm kind of curious to know if you've made any resolutions so far for 2021. You know, something I've been doing the past couple of years, instead of what I would say, it's not necessarily a resolution that I've made, but I really like to key into one or two words and themes for the year of different things that I long for more of. So one year it was like gratitude and wonder. And I just was like, I want to experience more of those things this year. One year it was trust and, oh, what was paired with trust? (laughs) I forget. Um, But yeah, so at at the top of each year, I like to kind of think of those different rhythms. I feel like that idea of incorporating rhythms in who you're becoming. So yeah, I have a couple words for this year um, that I am looking forward to hopefully embodying and experiencing some more of. Oh, that's amazing. That's such an amazing attitude, I feel like, towards the 2021, especially after such a challenging and long year. Right. Especially after a year where so many people have experienced new burdens, you know, I just think it's important to have grace for ourselves um, and still have vision, you know, still keep looking forward and thinking, all right, what, how do I want to kind of frame the future and, you know, grow and despite all of the many challenges that everybody's been facing. But to be honest, the optimist in me kind of feels like, I hope that all of us have at least one thing or a couple of things that we can go look back at and be like, oh, "Oh, that actually brought me joy last year. Yes, yes. I was talking to a friend recently and we were talking about joy and she just happens to be a very, just, you know, those people who just are just embodied joy. I was like, you are a joy slinger. I was like, that's what I'm going to call you a joy slinger. And, um, and that takes, I think, intentionality to, to seek it and prioritize it. And, um, yeah, like joy being different from happiness. Um, I think especially looking back on this year, uh, the past year, it's important to, to think about those things and, walk in as much gratitude as possible because that's going to relieve so much of the fear and, um, and just burdens that we're carrying. 
Exactly. And, but I know for you, one of the things that brought you happiness was getting married. Ah! <laughs> I mean, that is the most amazing story. I would love for you to share. Oh, oh my goodness, Alex. So my husband's name is Andrew. I love saying his name and the word husband in one sentence. I will probably just be obnoxious about it for the next couple minutes. Anyway, so our in-person actual like wedding was supposed to be on April 25th in Pennsylvania, where I'm from. Obviously, we all know what was starting to happen in about mid-March. Yeah. Um, I had just re recently come back literally on March 15th um, from a trip to Israel where I was supposed to perform in several concerts. Unfortunately, half of them were canceled and, you know, with COVID increasing and everything. So I got back to the city and we got word that courts were going to possibly be getting to close down. And we just looked at each other and we were like, what if we can't, what if we're not able to get out of this city or something like what things were just moving so fast right I mean, we were really like learning so much about COVID and all of the things um so we actually biked um about 12 miles in one day to uh down to the courthouse we didn't want to take the subway we were like okay let's just be as careful as possible we hopped on city bikes went down to the courthouse just to get our marriage license because we thought okay let's just we're supposed to get married in Pennsylvania but we're here in New York let's just see what happens let's get a license. And while we were there, they had warned us, you know, these courts might be closing down. If you want to just get legally married today, you could ask the judge to waive the 24 hour period. <laughs> we called our families. We we're like, what is happening? Um, and we made the decision. I'm so glad we did uh, to get legally married in March, literally three days after I got back from Israel. And I was like wearing jeans and a sweater. I forget if it was like this sweater. I don't even no, um, but you know, uh, we had been waiting to move in together until we were married and, um, we really wanted to mark the moment with our family and friends and pastor in some kind of way before we like really considered each other man and wife. So we, um, moved our ceremony basically, um, as it were online onto zoom, we had our friends and family and pastor tuned in on, um, a stepladder on the rooftop of our new home together. And, uh, <laughs> the Lord just made away with these hotspot connections on our phone. It was literally Alex. So many things had to line up for it to actually, actually be pulled off. And, and this, even everything from the sky, the beautiful sky in the background just was like the perfect backdrop. And of course we were very, 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 very sad to not be with our families. You know, my dad actually walked me down the aisle on FaceTime. Um, we got to connect you know, with family and friends the night before for like basically the rehearsal dinner. Cause we really, we were like, we want to hear these toasts. We want to give these toasts. We want to connect, um, and do as much as we can while still just moving forward with our lives and like moving in together and all that. So it was just beautiful that we got to get married. So I do have to shout out our photographer and our planner, um, Alexandra Northen of ALN Images. Alex, she shot our wedding through Zoom. She had her like fancy camera, like basically patched in and um, through Zoom. So that was just, that was just so cool to have actually beautiful photos from the day from her. And then our wedding planner, Alice Isaac of Alice Isaac Productions, um, coordinated all of this for us uh, from 3,000 miles away. And so it was truly a group effort. There were four other 
humans present on the rooftop and we are just so grateful for them. And I was going to ask you about the pictures because they look like, you know, proper photo shoot pictures. I know. Isn't that crazy? So we had, um, our one friend Clarissa was, had the iPad and Alice and Allie had sort of done this like coordination thing where they learned how to kind of speak in shorthand, I guess, just real quick. Okay. Like, okay. You know, pan the iPad over here. Okay. Click, click, click through the screen. So it was just crazy. Um, it was not the day that we expected, but there were many unexpected blessings that came along, uh, with that experience. That's, that's such a magical story. Honestly, I was listening to you and I was just like, my heart was melting in the most positive kinds of ways. And and I'm just really happy that you got to have that moment throughout all of that craziness. Thank you. It was just truly, I, f- I feel like we were being looked out for. Exactly. You'll remember it forever. There you go. Oh, we have some stories to tell. <laughs> exactly. That's for sure. That's for sure. But you know what? So. Speaking about stories to tell, you know, there's so many things I would love to chat to you about today. And I would love to just start by jumping all the way back to when you were growing up yes. and to kind of see if performing was always part of your journey. I was like such a shy child. I was so shy. Bossy at home as the oldest child, but very shy. Like I remember at recess in elementary school, just staring at the cement, like waiting for recess to waiting for the bell to ring so that I could like go back inside and like hang out with the teachers. (laughs) I was very shy. Um, And, but something changed when I was 10 years old, everybody in the class in the fifth grade class had to audition for the uh, fifth grade musical. And I just remember learning this little jazzy tune. My mom and I were in the dining room and practicing, you know, and she was like, yeah, sing out, Amanda, you can do it. And, you know, I have memories of like singing and harmonizing with my dad and in car rides when I was little. And I think my parents used to like maybe look at each other and say like, oh, she can like carry a tune. That's cool. Um, but when it came time to audition, you know, my mom was just really encouraging me. And so I went in and auditioned and did this little jazzy riff and the music teacher, Susan Messner, who I am still dear friends with to this day. She's amazing. Um, she's this, uh, she's from Jersey. And I just remember <laughs> she lowered her glasses and she was like, who taught you how to do that? <laughs> I'm doing, I'm not doing her accent. Well, I forget <laughs> she was, how does she speak? Um, but I think it was just like maybe surprising because I was so shy and like never spoke. And then I just was like, oh, let me do this little riff. Um, anyway, so she gave me a role in that musical and it just opened up a whole new world. And I was, I just had so much fun with it. I was passionate about it, made new friends and just kind of came into more of who I was really created to be like through this uh, art form, which is pretty cool. I think it was like around the age of 15 or 16 that I was like, oh, I think I actually like want to pursue this. Even in my personal life, that this, that theater was really one of the vehicles that like brought me into more joy and excitement and community, really. But speaking about those powerful experiences, you know, we all know and love you from Wicked, playing Linda, Uh, but what was your first experience with the show from an audience member's point of view? Oh my goodness, Alex. I was so blessed. I got to see the original cast twice. I was about 14 or 15 years old. I went to this uh, amazing public high school called Great Valley High School and I was in the drama guild and they rented a coach bus, brought us up there and we saw this new show, Wicked. And I was so struck. I was like so taken by it. Um, 
I'm so grateful for that. And then I think a couple months later, my parents brought like our family up, I think it was what happened. But I think my, my first time was with my drama guild, which was kind of cool because that's like where I like, just so much of my sort of like the bounce into this uh, uh, passion and profession kind of came from. Um, but, you know, I stared. I was just like, Kristen Chenoweth, what an icon, you know, and I just, I was like, she's so brave and bold in her choices and she's truthful and I'm, I'm so into this story. So yeah, that was a life-changing moment. And I think one of the moments where I said, oh, we're kind of similar, I think. And like, maybe I could do what she's doing. So I really thank her for, uh, for being a great. Um, yeah, that's incredible. Um, but then how did this role come your way professionally? How did you get involved with it? Stephen Schwartz, the legendary Stephen Schwartz went to Carnegie Mellon University some years ago. I also went to Carnegie Mellon University some years ago. We didn't go at the same time, obviously. Um, but he would come back and do various master classes for the musical theater and acting students. And I just so happened to be um, able to sing popular for him. Um, and I remember I was like in my little pink dress and I was so nervous. Um, and I think that was like... Sophomore year, I think, and I sang popular for him, and um, he said, "You know, I think you might play Glinda one day." And then I passed out. I didn't actually pass out, but I wanted to because I just was like so. I don't. I mean, it was just such a defining, I think, moment of, of getting to meet him, getting to sing his material, and um, having that special kind of interaction. So. Um, he said, send your, send your stuff to Telsey, which is the casting um, agency that casts the Wicked as well as like so many other things. And so I sent my headshot and my resume. I didn't have a rep at that time, but I just sent my materials, my headshot and my resume to Telsey with a pink cover letter. Oh, of yes, I did. did. Of course. I wrote it, a cover letter. I said, hello, uh, Mr. Stephen Schwartz told me to send this to you. <laughs> and I think I remember I drew like hearts and stars on it with like glitter. It was so <laughs> crazy. Anyway, so I sent that in. And then my first audition for the show was April of my senior year. I didn't get to play Glinda right after that. I still went in probably five times. I think it was like five times the year that I graduated. And then in January of 2011, um, I got the call saying, Hey, would you like to be Glenda on the first national tour? And so that was nearly 10 years ago. That was over 10 years ago that I got that call, which is so crazy. So that's the way that I first came to be connected to the show. That's incredible. And hearing that story with Stephen telling you that you should be doing this, like that's like the ultimate compliment that anyone could get. I am so indebted to him for seeing something in me and for, you know, suggesting that possibility. And um, yeah. And you did kind of say that was around 10 years ago, which, you know, <laughs> a lot of things have happened since. Amanda, I wonder if you remember the first time you stepped on stage as Glinda. What was that energy like? Oh my gosh. Okay. So my first time I stepped on stage in front of an audience yes, was in Fort funny. Lauderdale in April of 20, 
uh, 11. And, um, I think I may, you know, in the, um, at the top of the show, when Glinda is describing, uh, Elphaba's mother and father, I'm pretty sure that my first show, I switched the two and I said the wrong one. And oh my gosh, because I, I was just nervous. I was like, this is, I've just never done something in this capacity before. Um, but it was so fun. I mean, I, the family of Wicked is so beautiful. Like I always felt really supported by my cast and I've just had the great honor of having three different like first times, you know, um, once with the first national, the second national, and then here, um, in New York on Broadway. And each time is like, oh, this is just, I mean, these are the things you dream about as a kid and just, it's surreal to have that moment actually be happening, especially with the entrance that Glinda gets to make, you know, it's like, you don't necessarily step on stage for the first time. You actually float on stage for the first yeah. time, which is so crazy. Um, it was uh, actually yeah. going to be one of my questions. So what did you think about in the bubble before entering the show? Oh my gosh. So the bubble moment, I feel like it's such a gift for all of the Glindas because it really is a time of solitude for about at least five minutes. Um, you get harnessed in and then floated up uh, to wait in the rafters before the top of the, the downbeat, the top of the show. Um, and you're just up there sometimes like on tour, sometimes you would be able to see different guys over in the wings, like in the rafters. Um, on crew. And then in New York, it was just the way that the stage is configured. It was like farther. I wasn't as close to a person. I could look up and see somebody. And like, sometimes I would get like a little flashlight moment from them, which was really nice. But honestly, I use that time to pray. I just never wanted to go it alone. I wanted to just acknowledge the bigger story that was happening in my life uh, before telling this one. So I would pray for the audience that night, for safety just all around, for the audience, for the cast, um, you know, no injuries, like just praying over people. And then to just uh, sort of say, all right, thy will be done. Uh, the bubble time was just really special. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, because you have such a grand entrance, um, did you ever battle with stage fright? Was that ever a part of your journey? Yeah. Oh, certainly. Um, it's, it has come in two different forms. There's been like some stage fright just throughout my existence as a performer, you know, um, not debilitating, I would say, but, but definitely like I have had to kind of learn how to take my thoughts captive to kind of self-soothe, to, um, release, to just stay focused on the task at hand and say, okay, I'm just going to do my job. I'm just going to key in with my castmates and, and do this. So there were times where I was a little bit like, oh, if there was somebody in the audience who I was like a little bit like, I really want to do well, you know, um, then I would, I've definitely experienced like trembling. I think it's surfaced that way for me. Um, breathing really helps reminding myself that this is not an accident that I'm on this stage and just to do my job and that I'm not alone. Um, I'm not alone in the spiritual sense. And I'm also not alone in the physical sense with having my cast there. I will say sometimes I experienced a little bit of anxiety going up in the bubble not often, but sometimes it would just come out of nowhere. I'd be like, I'm suddenly scared. I'm alone and I'm rising to this. I'm suddenly scared. And I had somebody tell me once, and it's such a helpful exercise. Anybody out there who experiences anxiety, 
to bring yourself back to the present moment by naming physical things that are around you. So I would literally look at a light and I would say out loud, I would say that light is, let's say it was like a silver metal thing. That light is um, made of metal. That light is made of metal. This curtain is black. This curtain is black. This bubble, I, I literally sometimes would have to say that outside to myself to to draw myself back to the present. Um, fortunately, it didn't happen a lot, but when it did, that was a super, super helpful It's exercise. really great that you shared that because I'm someone who gets really anxious sometimes. And as you said as well, it's not necessarily debilitating, but you know, it does creep up on you. Right. Um, and, and so I think that's such a useful exercise. Oh, it's, yeah. I'm so grateful to the person who told me about it because it really, really worked. It helped me to feel, to remind myself, okay, you are safe. You are safe. And, but because you have been with the show in a couple of different environments and situations. So what was your Glinda like and how did she develop and change perhaps over the yeah. different periods of time? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, when I was in college, I really, uh, I struggled with an, um, an eating disorder and I think, uh, success was God to me. I thought that my look and my accomplishments, my bookings, my whatever, like made me matter. And it was like all that mattered in life. So I was really, really lost, um, but had a really good way of kind of covering it on the outside. I don't think a lot of people like really maybe knew what was going on. Um, so yeah, I was still, I think, struggling with uh, that. I sort of crisis of identity on my first iteration of, of being Glinda on the first national tour. I was only 22. I was right out of school, you know, just in a, in a time of great, uh, just growth would come later, but it was a time of, I think just man, I just, I didn't know who I really was. And so I would seek all these different things, substances, relationships, attention to like validate myself. I really got to a dark place. Um, and after my first, uh, run with the show, I moved to Los Angeles to, I don't know, just have uh, something in me tugged me there. I was like, I'm supposed to be on the West coast right now. I'm going to go. And it was there that my life totally, totally changed. I had had like just years and years and years of, of darkness, not only towards myself, but like, unfortunately also like hurting several, people. Um, so I was at this party one night and I ran into this woman who, whose name is Alice. You heard me talk about her earlier as our wedding coordinator. And I, I think I became so exhausted by the life that I was living. I just spilled everything out to her. I was like, well, this is what's going on in my life. And she really was the hands and feet of Jesus in my life, pursuing me to say there is more for you. There is freedom on the other side of this. There is hope. You are um, a precious creation. Your life is not an accident. You actually don't have to strive to earn your the air you breathe, you know, it is a, yeah. it is a gift freely given and, um, and that you are loved and that you can be, um, you can be forgiven and brought into a new life. And it took some time, but I began to just, my soul was like, oh yes. I just, I felt so many things in my life heal. Um, 
kind of the ways that I was acting out to get my validation, you know, so much of that just fell away. It just really transformed the way that I looked at the world and myself and friends and the purpose of all everything. And, um, so it was a really beautiful, there was about four, four and a half years, I think between my final performance on the first national tour. And then my first performance on the second national tour, I think it was about four and a half years, I think. And in that time, um, I just grew so much, thank God. And so when I went back to the show, I was able to just, it was so different. It was the same job, but it was like a completely different experience for me. Um, that to all that to say, and your question about like, what was my Glinda like? I mean, I think I did the best that I could with what I had at 22. I had a more experiences in those four and a half years that really helped me to empathize and to really embody some of the things that she went through. Um, I also think it's like interesting that her journey goes from this place of like um, her priorities are in the wrong place kind of when we meet her. She doesn't know any better. She's just like, this is the way she's grown up and this is what's been given to her. And uh, I don't, I don't necessarily play her with like malice behind any of the things that she's operating out of. But I do think with, through her relationship with Elphaba and through everything that happens in the story, she comes to a place of other mindedness. She comes to a place of um, stepping into what she is stewarding, you know, in, in her, in her new role in Oz. And so it is very interesting, just some of the parallels of like lost to found kind of like themes, I guess. I just always tried to um, tell the truth as best I could. Like Winnie Holtzman's book is just out of this world. So there's like so much good text to work with. And I got to use like all my tools from school and also just be inspired by the incredible actors that were on stage with me too. So um, yeah, I guess heartfelt, like earnest and um, surprisable. I, I, I don't know. I endeavored to just make her surprisable like each day. That's amazing. Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that story with us and for opening yeah. it in this way. Um, and also, you know, she, Glinda goes on a journey and it would just be, it wouldn't be fun if you were the same all the way through without <laughs> learning anything, without trying anything new. It would just yeah. so. Um, but, you know, what were some of the moments in your track that you just lived for, you know, that were always fun and exciting for you? Yeah. Oh gosh. There were so many fun moments. It's kind of cool because the choreography that happens backstage is almost just as intricate as what's happening on stage sometimes with, okay, you go here and I go here and then we do this high five and then I run here and then, we, and then I get this water and then, yeah. Uh, shout out Tracy Diebold for being like such an incredible friend and dresser. Uh, we had so many good times backstage, but I would say um, there were moments that were really fast and intense that were just really fun. And like what you sort of dream of, of like, oh my gosh, we're doing Broadway. We're doing it. You know, there were times where, you know, that really quick change that happens from the train station into um, the Emerald City, there's the running from the attic or no, sorry, running from the wizard's chamber to the attic. And, um, as it is at the Gershwin, you have to run up the rake down a set of very narrow stairs <laughs> over to the orchestra, run up the stairs. You're out of breath. It's high stakes. The music is pounding. It's, you know, it's like everything. And so 
when you say, what do you live for? I'm like, oh, as an actor, it's just like, yeah, you look everything. Yeah. You're like in a movie almost. It's so fun. And then there's those slower moments where, for instance, during Wonderful in act two, Glenda has like a second to breathe. Like you get to be in your dressing room. And so that was meaningful to just like touch base with Tracy, touch base with different cast members who would come by and friends who would come, um, you know, friends in the cast, not just like people during, Randomly during the show. Up. No, 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 no. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then just having those times with my Elfies, it's just so thrilling to hold her hand and just run straight down center stage. Um, after you've done <laughs> really super fast change on that note, what do you think makes a good scene partner? I feel like playfulness, flexibility, generosity with moments, an element of trust. Yeah, just everybody brings something different to it. Um, but the, those elements, I think, are just like, oh, such a gift. What was your experience like the uh, Broadway's 15th anniversary in Glinda? Because that, I feel like, is a whole Ooh. other all game. I know. Okay, Alex, the other day I was, where was I? Oh, I know. On the roof where we got married, you can see like teeny, teeny, teeny part of the Empire State Building. And I was up there the other day just getting some fresh air and I was, and I saw the Empire State Building. I just started crying because I was like, God, I can't believe we got to light that for the anniversary. What? Like these crazy, like if you would have told 10-year-old Amanda, like, hey, you're going to get to do all these really cool things and you're going to get to do them with this people that you love. Um, I would just have not believed it. So it was really, really special. I, I was so grateful to get to do all those cool events and, you know, do the NBC um, uh, 15th anniversary celebration and just the photo shoots and press things. And, and then of course, the actual night was just wild. <laughs> it was it was one of the greatest gifts, especially after we got to shoot. Um, Jackie Burns and I got to shoot the new uh, footage for the commercial, which was just so cool. And then um, I celebrated the 15th anniversary opposite Jessica Vosk. And just getting to have those really special experiences with those two women was incredible. I don't know if you know this, but Jackie Burns was actually my first Alphabet in 2011 on the first national tour. Wow. Yeah. So to get to then make my Broadway debut opposite her was just, there were just these moments. I was like, it's not an accident. And I'm so grateful for the orchestration of this, of this moment. So redeemed it felt, you know? So yeah. It sounds like you've had such an amazing positive and, and sort of one of a kind experience with with Glinda through the years. Um, but do you have any advice for, you know, future Glindas out there? Oh my goodness. Such a good question. Oh, I think it's important to give yourself grace. It is a an amazing job, but it doesn't come without taxation of one's body. And you kind of constantly need to be replenishing your spirit and and your body through sleep and, and steaming and whatever a person needs to do to kind of manage. I would say get a great physical therapist. There's actually an amazing physical therapist at the Gershwin. So there you go. Uh, but rely on the physical therapist. Um, get massages to make sure that that 
I mean, it sounds so, you know, but you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do, but because that crown is actual weight and that dress is like actual weight. And so just taking care of your body, making sure you're getting enough sleep, getting massages, like I said, um, and just embracing your season and your stewardship and your like moment as this character. It's so special. I would say like, try to just be so present um, and enjoy the people, enjoy the people because it's such a different life. You know, like when you're in it, you are seeing these incredible people every single day. You you're in the track with them. You're passing them. You're saying this, you're having talks and all this stuff. And then, you know, not it, the cast is sort of always cycling. So when you're, when you're gone, it's just a different you don't get to see those people as much. So just treasure it. And also I would say congratulations, girl. Have the time of your life. Yes. <laughs> um, Wicked does show that things are never black and white. What do you think is the best way to really get to know someone? People have a lot of layers. We all have a lot of facets. The two things are like unhurried time and also experiencing someone in a high stakes situation. When we take our mask off, that actually empowers other people to do the same thing, uh, which is really beautiful. There's a really wonderful book called Safe People by Dr. Henry Cloud, as well as a book called Boundaries that I just really love. And it kind of helps us to um, do that in a in an emotionally healthy way. But finding and and yeah, prioritizing those few who like you can be transparent with and um, authentic with, and you can love them well, they can love you well, I think is so, so great. So I would definitely recommend those two books. On that note, like what have you read online or perhaps it was a book that really inspired you recently? Oh, I should bring it over here. It's sitting right over there. But um, my friend Annie F. Downs just came out with a book called That Sounds Fun. She is incredible. Uh, she's a friend and I know her in real life, but like the way that she addresses her readers and her listeners um, is just that she brings us in as friends on her journey. It's so beautiful. Uh, it's kind of this encouragement to prioritize joy and fun. And those two things sort of tie us to this thing that we are missing in our current broken world, this Eden that we long for. Um, and why it's, it's, it's just worth, it's just worth making time for fun. And, uh, it's, it's a deep book. I was, I was laughing hysterically and then I was weeping, Alex, I was weeping on my couch, but I would recommend that for people. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful new book that's out. I also would recommend a book that's currently changing my life. I've not finished it yet. I'm on my way through it. It's called Soul Care uh, by, I think the author is Rob Reimer. And especially in these times that have been um, very refining for us all, right? Like just very um, trying in many ways and, uh, revealing in other ways and all that, uh, to just care for our souls. And, and what does that look like? And what questions can we, can we walk through and journal through and think about anyway? So that sounds fun and soul care. Awesome. Perfect. Um, I'll check them out. I've been, you know, reading a lot of Brene Brown, that kind of stuff, yes. creativity, because I feel like this is the time to to really kind of see what's important to you and what speaks to mm. your heart and just explore that topic. Yes. If you could, let's say you could create a poster, right? And place it all over New York City for one day. 
one day only. What would you put on it and why? Okay. In my brain, my first thought was like in an act of defiance because we're just like bombarded with so many ads all the time. I would put nothing on the poster and I would just let people think and let people have, but I'm like, all right, if I'm actually given this opportunity, I want to take advantage of it by hopefully giving people something that inspires hope, something that sparks joy. So it's particular in New York since we don't get a we, – we have parks and stuff and we see the outdoors. But I would just – this is what my poster would be. It would be like a beautiful – either like photo or like painting of the outdoors. I'm talking sky, trees, water. It could be like a river, a ocean, whatever, but just beautiful. Like something where you're like, like, you know, when you see something and it just makes you take a deep breath, that's what I would want for people. And kind of laid over that image, I would want to stick these lyrics on there by my friend, Jamie Grace. She has a song called Daughter of the King. The chorus goes, um, oh, geez, I'm, I'm not warmed up, but it goes like this. The maker of sky is the maker of seas, the maker of every beautiful thing. He made you, he made you too, yeah. The mountain high, the river wide, he tells the sun when to set and rise. And he made you, he made you too. You're a daughter of a king. So tell me, what does that make you? her song is amazing and I sing it all the time. And I think probably for a poster, we'd have to like shorten some of it. So maybe just the maker of skies, the maker of seas, the maker of every beautiful thing he made you too. And I would just have that be like a reminder for people. And then one more thing on my poster, cause you know, I got to maximize this space. Exactly. I would put the, um, a QR code and a link to imsecond.com. So I don't know. I hope that it would just inspire people to breathe, remind them they are literally a walking miracle. Like what? So crazy. And then also a resource for, for hope. So that's what I would do. That's amazing. First of all, I have a couple of thoughts here. So, so the- <laughs> First of all, your singing was gorgeous. (laughs) But then the second thing, I like how you thought about typography and the size of the font and the little details. Girl, because you know, people are going to walk by quick and you got to like get them, you know? (laughs) Girl, I work in marketing. I'm, I'm all. Oh, you know. You kind of spoke about your favorite, uh, liking her songs and her stuff. But do you have any other artists that, you know, you really enjoy? Yes, I sure do. Um, Okay, how do we, let's start with, there's a band called Maverick City. Gorgeous music, gorgeous music for the soul. It's so good. If you need a lift, check them out. Maverick City music. And I just love, um, I've been, my husband and I have been loving listening to just like jazz at home. (laughs) It's relaxing. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm endeavoring to learn more about incredible jazz artists. But, uh, but yeah, I think those are those are a few things. That's amazing. You know, listening to jazz while walking around London is one of my favorite. <sighs> I can imagine like, because it's kind of moody, like with the clouds and everything. I and- keep saying my favorite thing to do is get a Starbucks, a cup of Starbucks, and then walk by the river and just listen to jazz. Yes. Oh, that sounds like a good Sunday exactly. or Saturday or whatever day. Actually, so yes, 
Oh, that sounds lovely. That's amazing. But you know, we've kind of, I feel like I've gotten to know you and your incredible energetic spirit, which has just been incredible. But oh, thanks, what, is, what is like an interesting thing about you that we wouldn't know unless we're this conversation? Mm. Ooh, I play the clarinet. Okay. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not well anymore, but I was in marching band for several years. I personally played the piano for nine years and I mean, I haven't touched it since, but, but it's, it's really good to actually know how to play an instrument. This is so up topic, but I feel like it teaches you the discipline that you need and it teaches yes. you obviously motor skills and stuff like that, but just, just to think ahead and to kind of think things through before you do them. Yes, it's so true. I feel like music education is so much more than than music. It lends itself to like all these other life things and even different topics like math. I'm not a very good math person, but uh, you know, learning like okay, this note is is this fraction of the bar or this measure, you know, it was pretty cool. But, you know, you kind of mentioned this, but you've been part of lots of incredible TV projects, stage projects. I actually didn't even know that you were in Glee for the longest time. Oh, then I was like, oh my God, that's Amanda. Um, but oh, what's the hardest that you've ever worked for something? Man, I learned so much in my four years at Carnegie. I feel like that was such a good place to just incubate gain tools, you know, it was hard work. <laughs> um, and then the thing I've worked hardest for, I guess would probably be wicked is especially because if I'm, if we're also thinking like, what's the thing you worked hardest on, I've been on stage for more weeks and more hours than I've been on set. I will say, you know, it is interesting. Um, set life and stage life are just, they're similar in so many ways, but also very different. I think it's, it's, there is a different kind of, um, discipline that you have to have to do eight shows a week to maintain your voice, to, um, do like just the press stuff and do, you know, just be really present for your cast, like eight shows a week, as opposed to having your call time. Like this was a TV show that I worked on. My call time was 10 30 PM because we were going to shoot from like 2 a.m. to like 7 a.m. So that's a different kind of work where you like battle uh, tiredness and you also on set, you're taking take after take after take and you got to like have the consistency of like hitting your mark and then also bringing the emotional freshness and the believability to it each time. So um, I don't know. I almost want to say the thing I've worked hardest for is like just all the unseen work that you know, there are endless self-tapes, so many auditions that I didn't get, but that were kind of the steps to the things that I have. So I don't know. I feel like in general, it's just you're kind of consistently just staying ready for, for what's to come. And that's a work in and of itself. Absolutely. And, you know, lastly, I just want to ask, what are you grateful for today? Alex, I want to say thank you. I am grateful for you. I I think you're so good at this and I am grateful to be breathing. It's so simple, but I feel like it's a miracle, you know, that there's air in my lungs. And so I'm just going to take that gift and um, just remember, just remember that. That's what I'm grateful for. Amazing. Well, I'm grateful for you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for this good conversation. 
Thank you guys so much for listening this week. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would be brilliant if you could just take five seconds of your time to screenshot this episode and post it to your Insta stories. Because in this way, more people will get to find out about this conversation and hear Amanda's thoughts on the industry. I really hope the latest episodes of Goodversations have brought a little bit of joy to your day wherever you are. We are going to have a little intermission now between this one and any new episodes that are to come. I'll be honest with you and say that the hope is to return back to this podcast as soon as the theaters open their doors once again, which in the UK is looking to be this summer. So keep following our page on Instagram, which is at Goodversations, for exclusive backstage content and also to be the first ones to know when new episodes are released. I hope you have a wonderful day wherever you are. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you again very soon.